And hello, everybody. Welcome to our Zooming with our Zoomologist of Zoomery, Patrick. Zoom, zoom, zoom. And we're here, and Luke is back with us and on the satellite of love, obviously, from the picture. <laughs> hello. And uh, we burned through all our good conversation before we went <laughs> out of the air, so we're just going to talk about the weather for two hours, probably. Well, we, yeah. Well, but this is Thanksgiving week. We don't usually do holidays, but they sound good. So this is our Thanksgiving special. And what we're going to talk about sounds like that thing, the Horn of Plenty cornucopia thing, the topics. And we're very thrilled to have my friend from college, Buck Harding, all the way from Binghamton. Hey, Buck. How you doing, Rob? Good. It's Rob. been only about like 31 years, I think. Older than I am. Yeah. But question I have to ask immediately, this has been since reading Ray Davies' book, he claims the best milkshakes in America yes. are Binghamton, New York. Is it true? Uh, well, I don't know, man. You'd have to ask my wife because I'm always picking them up, but I'm usually going through a McDonald's drive-thru or whatever. Uh, my my guess is that the place where he had his best milkshake is probably long since closed and replaced by something else. Yeah, it's probably, it's probably like it some ice cream place, like some local ice cream place. I would yeah, I'm trying to recollect because I remember that story, and I'm not sure if, uh, yeah, I, I can't remember the actual, uh, it might have been a diner downtown, I would imagine. Which, in theory, it could still be down here. Who knows? It's one of those urban lures. People should go look for it, try to see if they could find it. It is. I think that would be cool. It, in fact, I was at the theater where I, where I last saw Ray Davis uh, at the forum. I was there the other night, so that was kind of fun. Well, I, saw, I, I caught that. Go on. Yeah, that Buddy Holly show. Oh, so, yeah, so here we are standing in line. I'm with a niece of mine, and the, the line's going by, but we didn't have our tickets yeah because some other members of our family had tickets and this guy's kind of swimming upstream of the of the line and he's got like jeans on and he's got a white shirt and like the little kind of stuff and he's he's got glasses have you all you folks enjoy the show and then i see him duck around the back alley to go to the back of the theater then because i wasn't standing in line i wasn't gonna lose my place i kind of stick my head around and looked out i said that looks like buddy holly and he just kind of turned around and gave me one of those <laughs> but I tell you, it, was, it was a great show um, the race show at the Trout in Buffalo is probably be on the top five of my favorite shows of the decade. He was just incredible. He even balanced the Guinness on his head. Really? Wow. So it, was just, it was one of the best shows. I hate those top 10 lists, what's your best, what everything else. But one thing we have to talk to a little bit for our friend Mark Rialdi because his mom passed away this week. I said we talk a little about our days at Fisher. What is your impression of Fisher? And for you two, if you want to chime in a little about college or high school and what you would consider that would be just so you can, because you have no idea what our experiences at Fisher were. Neither right, do we for the most part. <laughs> so you were class of nine, were you class of 90 as well, right? Oh, a little before my time, but let's just say we were, I was. <laughs> okay, let's just yeah. say for argument's sake that you were. Uh, I love Fisher. It was great. It was, it was half the size that it is now. In fact, I went up and got a replaced my thirty year old T shirt this uh, this June, and I it's, I was flabbergasted. As a matter of fact, I got I got turned around a bit and didn't know where the hell I, I got, was going. I went to go see Doctor Bain. I went on campus to go just see Doctor Bain. So there's something. There's some tickets I had to get up there. I said the place went on steroids. Yeah. Isn't it, I got it, lost, and then I looked like the weird old guy going around. They're asking like the students, "Oh, where's this? Where's this?" <laughs> Yeah, I'm trying to remember the last time before this past year that I went to the bookstore, but I just kind of stood down in there in front of the library and just kind of looked around at this panorama. And then you go where that old lighthouse used to be, 
and there's like all these huge dor dorms and it's like you're in an entirely different universe. Well, I went on, I went on the, we actually have Fred Dodolo, he teaches her and Mike Guzik, they've done shows and they might do a Zoom, but I went on mm -hmm. there to sort of advise the history students and just talk about careers and stuff. Uh -huh. And I like, I could, he told me it was Basil Hall. I just met him at his office, but we went to the cafeteria. There's a cafeteria down there now. Yeah. yeah. Building there. There's one there. It's like, like, okay, everything grows up and changes. Yeah. Yeah, it does. I'm trying to think. So I had a, we had a reunion. God, what's the reunion we played? Is it, uh, was it 10 years ago already? It might've been. Holy cow. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, we all told me about that, but I was like doing something and I'm weird about reunions, even if I enjoyed my time. <laughs> oh, oh no, I, I, I did it right. I, I booked, I booked the gig and played it and, and made a couple bucks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I get something out of it. That's the yeah. way. But I, no, I, I, yeah. I, Fisher altered the course of my life, you know, I mean. You went to I'm, Africa, didn't you? I did. And it was because I went to Fisher. Yeah. You and feel I the rays down there. Wow. What, what's Did that? you taste the rays, the rains down in Africa? <laughs> no, no, no. I didn't bust. Actually, uh, I was there during the a drought. Down in Africa? I saw some rain, but I was there during a drought season. It was actually pretty dry. And I had to walk like the back roads. And if you saw a vehicle coming, you had to like run up into the into the field and kind of duck down a little bit because the plume of dust would just take over everything. But no, that was an interesting experience. Well, I, always, I mean, I thought that was like, I always call it a moment in time where it's like, you know, I made some lasting friendships for life and I'll never, you know, we'll never get their time back, but it's like, hold you on know, one it's second. a moment in time. Now, were you a McQuaid Jesuit guy? No, I was Cardinal Mooney. Cardinal Mooney. Okay. Yeah, which is dead right. too. McQuaid's gone? No, McQuaid's, oh, no, McQuaid's Mooney's gone. gone. Mooney bought Mooney's it like gone. around 1989. I got to ask you about McQuaid's, the most famous uh, McQuaid uh, alumnus that I can conjure to mind right now. You know oh, who that the, is, right? The exorcist guy. Oh, no, I thought no. about the guy, the, the priest who was an exorcist. Who is this oh, one? The, uh, yeah, I wouldn't the, get into the, that the, because he lived down in Scranton. I got some stories about that guy. No, this guy would be uh, none other but John Velby, Dr. Dirty. Oh, yeah, that's right. That's right. He's, playing here. He's playing here on Thanksgiving. Yeah, that, that tracks. He's playing and actually he's he's always talked about McQuaid. He would ask about teachers there. Did he uh, did you ever see him? Yeah. I saw him once, like at this old uh, you know, back back road bar down here in, in Endicott. But my wife, my wife, my or my mother-in-law, God rest her soul, she passed away uh last year. Um she uh she actually dated the priest from the exorcist because he, my wife's from Scranton and, and he used to rent out a penthouse apartment in, in downtown Scranton. He was a notorious drunk word on the street was that that movie fucked him up so bad that, uh, you know, he, he wasn't right. And, uh, yeah. So a lot uh, of stories about him. Uh, I'm trying to think what's his name. Father uh, uh, O'Malley. Pardon? Father no, O'Malley. I'm trying to think of the actor's name in my the wife. Real. That was his name, wasn't it? It was the He's uh, got a son that's a famous actor that was in Sleepers too. It was Jason Patrick. And really? so uh, what was the he's, dad's oh, name? He's related to Jackie Gleason, I think. Jason Patrick. He's like his nephew or something. Somebody, yes, somebody's got to Google that. Who I'm, was? I'm, I'm, I'm on the back end here. We're checking it out. We're checking it out. But you had some interesting. Oh, oh, yeah, uh, Miller? Jason Miller. Oh, Jason Miller. Okay, thank okay. you. I was thinking of. I, I was, was thinking on the of, tip of my. Jason yeah. Miller. Yeah. 
he played okay he was yeah he was he he played um um father uh uh callus callus damien i'll get the one fisher story out of the way this is like mark we've told it many times we had this party up in basil and we had complaints because of noise so security came in to get us jim Vito grabbed the beer ball we started running. We got chased across campus by the cop, by the campus security. And they stopped us like security. But what happened was somebody security actually went to high school with somebody and they let us go. And we strung it out Murphy Hall in the bushes and just restarted. But that was like a legendary story the next week. You know, I know the statute of limitations is up on all this kind of stuff. <laughs> But I'm still taking the fifth, man. I'm not. I'm, I'm not even going there. Now, I went to see. I went. I went to see Stephen Lynch. I didn't live in one. I lived there. I was a commuter. A lot of people thought I lived on campus because they find me passed out there a lot. And I'd be there, but I didn't live on campus. But right. the thing was, like, you know, it's like one of those weird things. So I went to go see Stephen Lynch, like, say, about like over five years ago. The security guard who busted us was still there. You know, we right. were like drinking, like we were mixing vodka with Coke in the bathroom before the show. And I'm thinking he's still waiting to get me. It would be like a bad comedy with Will Ferrell. <laughs> yeah, it was. Uh, yeah, I'll tell you. Well, it's funny because you, you, you'd get your party busted up and the RAs would come in, you know, and there's a beer ball in there and they'd be scared. They'd be going around taking everybody's name. And so everybody in the room would be. Well, it's like I, I, I'll just say, yeah. Uh, for, not to incriminate but my well no you know what god rest his soul my buddy dave dunn who was my roommate who passed away uh, a couple of years ago you know so they'd come in the ra's to bust the party and they'd say all right you know what's your name and and i and i'd say uh my name's doug hard who was my my roommate who i lived with for like <laughs> half a semester <laughs> and, and, and my buddy dave would be next to me no that's not true he's lying to you his name is mark harding what's your name and he and he says uh, he says somebody else's name that's not his name. <laughs> you know, Luke and I can relate to a lot of this stuff because we worked at a bar together. And actually, last night I was texting some of my less glorious adventures to him. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. No, I had a great time up official. And I, so I lived on I lived on Halfy two for one year, Halfy three for another year, and then I lived on the corner of well, I lived I lived next to the Wilson Farms. Uh, on the corner of Monroe and Laburnum Crescent, right there by 490. Oh, yeah. We, we had a first floor uh, apartment there with another R- Rochesterian, an East Rochesterian, Pete Hamilton, was our other roommate. Did you know Pete? Yeah. Oh, yeah. And I remember like when Rialdi lived on uh, Harvard Street and they found me passed out on the, I guess, on the porch after senior week. And I guess I had icicles coming off me. Well, you pass oh, out everywhere, don't you? <laughs> he is passed out everywhere. Where have you not? Where have you not passed out? That might be a shorter, a shorter Zoom today. <laughs> so you had some besides. We're going to talk. We obviously talk about music and stuff. But Luke, if you want to toss in a topic too, it's a free for all. It's the Thanksgiving thing. Yeah, yeah. You know, enough Fisher stuff. I think we've we've dropped. We just wanted to do a little. I promise, Mark. We're going to be pretty and, upset with us. What's that? I promise, Mark. We'd say a little bit about Fisher since you know that's all the. So we did. That's all right. So, Luke, do you have anything you want to talk about? Oof, boy, do I ever. I, I mean, with this group, yeah. what's, there, what's there not to talk about? I don't know. Um, <laughs> you have sent me well, some really interesting ones, like prostate cancer. 
as a topic. Hey, look, look. Since we're me, that's where you're jumping to. Why don't we do a little bio stuff here? You know, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, sure, like, go yeah. on. Okay. Yeah, Let's start that. like uh, 1990 and, and we'll go from there. You know, what, what year were you born, Luke? 81. 81. So, okay. Eight. So, you're, so you're nine years old in 1990. Go. Who yeah. Are you? Where are you from? Oh, man. Uh, Greece, New York. Um, Greece. All right. Just, uh, you know, Greece, Chile. Pretty- Right, like gate. No, more towards the gates. More okay. towards the gates area. Um, honestly, all I did as a kid was just play outside. I think I feel like Rob and I talked about this before. Probably not even on a podcast. Just how kids just stare at the computer all day long. Like my my whole life was outside, just outside till eleven p.m. and then come back, go to school, and 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 so honestly, like when I think about being a kid, it was literally don't get in trouble. Because that's all it was, was, just get in trouble, play, go, play ghost in the graveyard in other people's yard. You know what I mean? Like you, you'd be, you'd be playing ghost in the graveyard around like that's old school, you're right? Giant yeah. houses, and you'd, you'd be peeking in right. windows, like what is this family doing? Oh, this family's watching uh, Tales from the Crypt, or so, you know what I mean? Like it was always like <laughs> something stupid going on. You know what I mean? And then you had like, you know, you were. We, I'm nine years old. There's a bunch of kids that are like 15, 16 doing the same thing in the neighborhood's over. Your group clashes with their group and then you got to run. You know what I mean? It's literally just yeah, like rumbles. On, the go, call them rumbles. On, on the go, on the go all the time, man. Like I miss that. Now it, uh, kids don't play. Kids don't you play know what anymore. fascinates me about that? Because you mentioned you mentioned the manhunt. We used a whole city block down here. Oh, manhunt, yes. Live ready close to downtown. And I, not a single one of us in all the years we did it ever got charged with uh, criminal trespass or pedi- or uh, or burglary or, or anything like that. Burglary or anything. <laughs> yeah, no. And we, nobody even called the cops, really. You know, people would threaten it. They would go slam slam the windows or close the curtains. Get out of here! But yeah, you're right. We had we had one neighbor. We had like a creek going through the going through the neighborhood and my dad would say like if he sees you by the creek sometimes he might say something but he said just because he cares he doesn't want anybody to drown or anything yeah, <laughs> yeah. otherwise that's always that guy offering hey, you, the two cents and the advice right yeah yeah you know what this uh you know what this does remind me of um speaking of like always being outside i think about this a lot i never talk about it with people because i always forget but uh it's crazy how mtv used to show music videos right but it's even crazier that michael jackson used to pay fox to play his music videos at like the height of a sunday night during the simpsons or at the very end of the simpsons and you would watch his music video and it would be like a 12 minute video and then a three minute song and that was like the highlight of like every what six months or like every four months or something like that i kind of missed that like the fact that uh like the fact right now mark you could release a music video I could watch it right now and in two and a half minutes be done with it and be like, all right, well, now what? And then wait, you know what I mean? Like, well, to well, me, that well, like it's kind of funny because as a musician, I've been like, I, I'm, I'm flabbergasted. You, you put this into context. I, like, my oldest nephew is your age, okay, 1981. 40. So I remember 1981. I was a, a young teenager, okay? Yeah. But I remember MTV coming out and that was, you know, you know, and childhood very similar as far as, you know, I grew up in this neighborhood where there are a bunch of families with a bunch of kids. Like I'm, I'm number seven of eight kids, you know, and it's always and, like the older kid and you just kind of, and you were out there and it was almost like this latchkey existence and you're exactly correct. Just don't get in trouble and always yeah. be looking over your shoulder, you know, and, and guys that got, got caught up and stuff reacted in one of two ways. They'd either put their head down and say, yep, you know, you got me yeah. or they'd argue back and like, what? 
What? What are you talking I mean, about? I didn't, I didn't do, do that, anything. No. Or, or he did it too. hat in their hand. I didn't do it. We had bicycle it. thieves like in our neighborhood. I guess like some kid was stealing them and like he would just take them apart and sell the parts. Yeah. That was like the biggest <laughs> thing. Yeah. yeah. So look, so we go, you go from that to where it's like you're watching this on TV. Now, when I came back from Kenya, um, there's another fella from Rochester as well. His name is Bill Sullivan. He went over to Africa with me and we went to Fisher and we rented one of the rooms in the media department. And we had a, what is it, a reel to reel. We actually did a synchronized slide because we actually had slides. Okay. This is all before digital photography. Yeah. So it was, you know, that was actually a, a format to actually do that. So you kind of had to sync the music with like your slideshow. And we mm -hmm. did that presentation at Fisher during covid like That's i cool. i was doing like live shows and i and i got kind of nutty with it because here i am i'm like i'm used to the jobs that i've done in the community i'm out in the community i'm driving around i'm going everywhere and then all of a sudden yeah. i'm like stuck looking out my back window at a right. computer i'm losing my mind i moonlight and do gigs and i'm like i'm not doing that anymore so one day i just said oh what the heck i'm doing all requests and people were sending me in stuff That's and cool. i was turning nothing down and i'm talking about Mahangahela sale by uh, Pete Seeger and stuff like that. Songs I'd never heard before. Yeah. And a lot of them ended up being shit, absolute shit shows, but it was all for like entertainment purposes only. And some of the stuff was okay. But just the fact that you go from, okay, we had to, we had to do that just to produce a slideshow. Right. And like, God, if I had the, the technology that we have now when I was in Africa, yeah. The the footage that I would have having gone on a two week safari, I had like a little camera like this, and my buddy Bill had a nice camera, but even still, it was yeah. film, yep. and it, and yep. it just you, you couldn't really properly transfer it to a vivid format, you know. No. No, it's you frustrating, you know. Yeah, because the way your memory, the way your memory remembers it, and then the way that you look at your little polaroids or whatever you're like this doesn't do it justice you don't even want to show those people those pictures but yeah it is right. it is pretty it is pretty crazy how you had to i mean even just look at take it i don't know 15 years forward from when you were syncing up the uh, audio and the video um uh duplicating oh, video. Du it was just it was just uh the it was that reels. thing it was just, it was just reels my... oh okay that's even that's even worse yeah slide. yeah i'm telling you I, I used to uh, dabble in duplicating music um, and it wasn't just like a burner. It was like a $600 piece of music that you, or uh, it was like a $1,200 piece of machinery that you had to play in real time and, and adjust the, you know what I mean? Like if you want, if I, if you wanted it, if you gave me a CD or yeah. a, a cassette and then wanted it on another cassette or, or yeah. if you wanted it on a CD, I had to do everything by hand. And so 81 minutes later, you had a CD and people were just like, oh, that's cool. Now I can literally send you an MP3 yeah. on my phone. And it's just crazy that like I can make you can make a mixtape on your phone. There's apps to do that. I can't believe I used to sit in front of a Phillips machine and adjust all the levels and whatever. And then the, the thing was, if I accidentally like sneezed and my hand went like this to the, the thing, 15 they minutes into that mixtape, you had to throw it away and start again. What about <laughs> I, I got something better than that? Remember the day when you would have a radio show where you take your cassette player and put it up next <laughs> to the record next player speaker? speaker and make you those were the early mixtapes? Yeah. We we thought that was awesome. And then and oh, yeah. 
the CD burners were the best, and now it's like ridiculous. Now, now the I forgot what app it is. Then we but learned like, what an aux channel was, and we were like, "Oh my god, we can plug this right into the tape recorder." Yes, yes. And and now <laughs> now you don't know a song at a at a grocery store, and you hold up I forgot what the Shazam, and it's like, mm-hmm. "Oh, this is blah 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 blah." Mm-hmm. It's like, yeah. how crazy is that? Like, yeah, I was in a a, a two man acoustic sh- uh, thing for years, and we we uh, we had uh, quite a following down here. But a lot of it was just a lot of cover tune type type stuff. But we kind of got into some recording. But you you know you, and 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 the technology was pretty decent. You get one of those Fostec digital type things. I wasn't particularly good at it. My partner at the time was was much better at doing it. But it was like sitting down and laying down tracks. And there was a lot of you know a lot of work to that and all that. But it's like then you finally get your end product and you burn that CD. Now it's really cool. And now and now it's like I can take out my phone. And if I want to, if I want to do a tune, I can record it like I'm doing right now. I got a, and I, what do I have a pixel, pixel two camera's mm-hmm. decent. Audio's okay. I'm, I don't, I'm not hooked up to any mic or anything right here. You know, it, it, it and it's like, holy crap. This thing is like, <laughs> is like That's that cool. big. It's that Steven cool. Soderbergh making movies on an iPhone, you know, <laughs> and they're being yeah. released in movie theaters. You know, it's crazy. Or you That's think like wild. what we're doing right now, like back in the day, we would have like the radio station. Anybody who's got some of the equipment can do this. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you, I'm not particularly tech savvy. You know, I, you know, I was a communications. Yeah, I'm over here. <laughs> no, I was a communications journalism major at Fisher, and as a matter of fact, I did an internship at what was it, GCI or something like that. One of the studios. It didn't go over too well. I think my I think my nickname was like Lucky Eddie at the time because I'm like I was like all thumbs, and these guys are you know whatever yeah. the, the case may have been. But I'm like, oh, I guess that's not for me because I was just really clumsy. With the equipment I still have because I kind of came more from the, you know, tail end of things as far yeah. as performance and all that kind of stuff. So I wasn't particularly. Well, you always said the eclectic taste because, I mean, memory fades over. But I remember like your shows, you would pull stuff out like Loden or Wainwright's Dead Skunk in the Road. Yeah, right, right. Stuff right. that, holy shit, I remember the right song. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but but you, you still, would do stuff still that, the same way. You, you know? would do stuff that's eclectic that people, like I would say now, sometimes despite myself, I become a music snob on the local scene here where, you know, we're like a part of like the little interlocking family of all the local. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we're sort of well, like, you know, you, know. you find you find that and 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 I get I totally get that especially like coming I mean I, I've been playing guitar since I was in like maybe second grade and it was always like I never and the evolution of that for me is because I'm more like a, a singer and a, and, a, and a strummer kind of guy because it was like I really like singing and so that's kind of like I I've but you're like oh no you got to be at all you got to be the lead guy you got to do this but it was interesting I was listening to one of your your other podcasts where where, where and I forget the name of the band but they're kind of talking about you know that 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 play off of each other and stuff like that it's like, well, no, like that. if you can do it all then what the hell's the point in having a band yeah. <laughs> you know that's that's why you have and, and so you kind of get that that kind of vibe, but to me, it's that you kind of come to that self discovery. This is just so I can accompany myself adequately, so that you know I can sing. And boy, then when you hook up with these other guys, like the guys I play with now, we're called the Park Avenue Review, and uh, these guys are like ten years older than I am. And it's like I always thought oh, it'd be really nice to have a good lead guitar guy that you know, and he likes to sing. They like to sing a little bit of backgrounds, but like their thing is 
because you, you find a lot of competition, I guess, is what you're saying among musicians. What I like to see, and we got a nice community down here. We have a lot of open mic nights, and this one guy just started one, and he's really well accomplished. Like he works in one of the local uh, gear shops at McNeil Music down here on the Vessel Parkway, and he's like, he's putting up his rules for stuff, and it's like, look, this isn't a competition, you know, <laughs> you know, uh, don't don't. Don't come up if you're completely loaded and they're going to be falling all over. But, you know, I just like your basic rules. But I think I think when you're young, there's a little bit more of that competitiveness mm-hmm. to it. And then as you get older and mellow, I think the, the, the sooner you learn, like, hey, you know what? It's time to back up. It's like that lead guitarist that you play with. It's like, hey, he's really good, but like he doesn't stop playing his lead during the body of the song. And it's just like it's the guy that when you're playing with him, he's like, He's always just turning up a little bit and then you got to turn up. And then before you know it, people's ears are bleeding. They got to get out of the place. <laughs> you know? It's like an ego thing. It's like a young and hungry, but also like an ego thing. But also it's like they don't have the experience to know like time to back off or read the oh, room, absolutely. Re- read the room type deal. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. And, you, and you know how I learned all that stuff? By trial and error. Because, experience. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I never I just. I mean, when I started out playing, I had a crate amp that was pretty decent with a mic that I plugged in. I remember it. I actually remember the crate amp. um, Actually, I didn't get that until I was down here. I don't know what equipment we were using up there, (laughs) but it it was not mine. But when I got down here, you know, I hadn't, I, I was working second shift for years and I hadn't played out for years. And then I started playing the local bars by myself. And then I kind of, you know, ran into some guys. I ended up in this acoustic do and we both just played acoustics but it was one of those competitive kind of things but in a good way like you fed off each other we haven't had a following like that since since we but we were together for like over a decade and it it ended under dramatic circumstances which i will not get into but it was like there was almost that competitive like chemistry there almost like a one-upmanship because we both because we both kind of pretty much did the same thing and we were doing like simon and garfunkel harmonies and stuff like that so it's kind of like you know it's one of these things that you work out but now but now i'm in like a three-piece where you know you've got a bass player and you got this guitar player his name's tom Biller, just incredible he uh he knows when to come forward when to back off when to just you know he's just one of those real pros no ego nobody's and it's interesting, even down here, we've got, we got a bunch of guys that are in a, in a couple of different bands. I just do some solo stuff, and then I, I'm in, like, one band. But, like, my bass players it, it was in, like, three bands at one at one point. That You know, our guitar players in other bands. Like, people, you know, it's, it's kind of like uh, swingers, <laughs> you know? And it's fun, and it's cool, because I think everybody's of an age and stage where it's more of an avocation as a as opposed to a vocation people aren't out there you know trying to make a living and it's they've gotten to the point where it's like hey i'm not taking another crack at nashville or anything like that content you know that you know you're able to play in front of people and and, you know there's a lot of there's some good supportive people and that's it's kind of interesting and listening to uh you know what you guys are talking about is it sounds like you well i always knew this about rochester i think binghamton is just a it's much smaller than Rochester, but like, you know, you look at like East Ave and like that whole area and mm-hmm. just like what it's like a culture, yep. you know, there. Whereas Binghamton, maybe more of a blue collar kind of thing. Then you got the college town stuff, but you know, you kind of get out into some of these bars and some of your, you know, as you start getting out from the center of the city and, and even, you know, different sides of town, you got your like neighborhood pubs and they just want somebody coming in there and singing them songs that they can sing along to and that they know and just you know, have a good time and have a few drinks, you know? 
I was just about to ask you, since COVID and whatnot, and since Binghamton's smaller than Rochester, uh, is there still a demand for live music, and do people still? It, um, it, seems, well, it sounds it sounds like you're still doing a lot. So it sounds like here's the thing. It, it, here's the here's the thing, and this is what I found because I, I because I'm we're just a three piece, and it's kind of strange because I play a I, I just play acoustic, so we really we don't have a drummer. You know, a lot of places yeah. don't accommodate that. If this is smaller. No. And, you know, I find that the percussive nature of the acoustic actually, you know, and you and we got the bass and you've got, you know, your guy on lead guitar, it, 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 you know, it works out. And if you wanted to throw a drummer in there, and actually, I think we're hoping to get one. We're doing a benefit it uh, the day after Thanksgiving, a Black Friday thing that we've been been doing forever. But mm-hmm. um, so, yeah, the smaller venues and I think it's hit them like the Well, the name of our band is called the Park Avenue Review. And, and there's uh, this this bar called Nips. OK which is on Park Avenue in Binghamton. And I, I think that was the first, well, I, I played there consecutively every year since 2003, several times a year. And uh, he hasn't had any bands in there since, since COVID. And, and he, he, that bar went from, they, they had no music back in 2003 Mm-hmm. My my wife actually talked the guy into giving us a, a chance in there. He has a, such a good time that it kind of, it kind of, there was a time that we were playing every other week and it was just like, you know, it was just, it was like the, the place to be, the thing to do, that kind of stuff. And then he started having other bands come in. And, and I've noticed in that time from when I started playing in that two man thing that things have really stepped up. It used to be, you'd get like your, your full bands places. You didn't have a lot of these smaller things but it seems like a lot of that's cropped up and then with all the micro breweries and stuff like that that are popping yeah. up all over the place yeah. and i think the call as the covid was winding down the call was for hey you know they're even looking more for a, you know a one person two person thing as opposed to and even to a lot and i found it's like a nice little niche uh because i can a lot i had a couple of gigs this year it was like you know i just want you to come and do your thing because they don't want the full sound of you know uh, the other stuff, so you can do it. So you have that little bit of versatility and stuff like that, you know. Um, and you have options to do. And, and so, a lot of the gigs that I so to answer your question more specifically, haven't played a lot of the bar gigs mm-hmm. uh, that we used to have, but played like Windsor Farmer Market, uh, played uh, interesting, uh, like there are little townships around here that have like the gazebos and stuff like that, yeah, where yeah. you have your, you, you bring your, your, your chair, they might have some concessions set up and, you know, people might bring some, and it's just concert series night. So we did a couple of those. Um, and those are great crowds to play for really, because it's not like, you know, when you're in a bar and you're just fighting for people's attention and, mm-hmm. you know, there's so many different kinds of gigs to play, you know, yeah, there's so many I've broken into like two types of friends. I have friends who are doing this professionally and I've seen them when they started, they're doing really well and other people who are doing well, but doing it for fun. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just nice seeing people when they start out and then how their careers are taking off or it's just, let's have a good time. But I have to ask yeah. you, what the heck was the thing about that little shop of horrors thing you acted in? Oh, so no. Um, well, because, you know, in addition to like the, the singing and playing, you know, I, I did theater Fisher as well. I was part of the Fisher players, right? I've probably done between high school Fisher and um, community theater. I've probably done between 40 and 50 shows uh, in the last, you know, however many years since say, let's say since 1985, I've probably done between, I'd say about 45, between 45 and 50 shows, uh, different capacities. 
You know, I remember like, if I we did, we did like South Pacific the like our senior year. Oh, when, I remember that that party at Laplaca's house afterwards too. <laughs> right, 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 right. Um, yeah, so I went. Out, I did a lot of that. Stuff. And as a matter of fact, at one point, I actually went down to the city and did a, a little bit of a look see to see if that's something that I wanted to do. Because mm-hmm. um, yeah, I, um, a lot of different parts. Actually, I was trying to think because I was thinking about, oh, what are we going to be talking about? And it's like we get to resumes and stuff like that. Well, Patrick uh, could tell you a little about the theater community here because he's involved in it. Yeah, I mean, not as much as before everything, but there's there's quite a bit. There's quite a bit here. It has been for a long time. But. You know, and and there is here. And and, and what's cool is that I, I've seen a lot of it sprout up. I, like some mm-hmm. contemporaries and friends of mine, I've watched them go from – geez, it would be really nice if we could start this theater where they actually, I, I remember having a conversation with a guy in a bar uh, where I used to play, but one of the first bars I ever played with, it was called Ramos. It was right across from the Crowley Milk uh, Factory in Binghamton by the, by, well, whatever, by the Rock Bottom Dam. And uh, this guy comes in after some show we were we were doing because I did some kind of community theater. And I'm talking to him and I'm meeting him. He's like, he's, I'm going to start a theater. I'm like, oh, yeah. You know, I mean, how many people do you talk? Yeah, I'm going to do this. And, and, and they yeah. never do it. Well, he and, and, and some other friends of mine that from the theater we actually actually went and did it. They bought an old theater. I think it's from the early 1920s uh, in downtown Endicott. And it's now known as the Endicott Performing Arts Center. I think they've been going for like 20 years. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. And it was great. And I was part of their first show, which was a funny thing happened on the way to the forum. And I played, I played Marcus Lycus, the keeper of the house of courtesans. Nice. That's a good one. Yeah. Well, actually, we had some really good talk before this started. Luke, did you, there is actually a connection between Bruce Lee and your family a little bit. Yeah, yeah, oh, right. yeah we were a little bit. Yeah. So my father was heavy into martial arts. Pretty disappointed that I didn't grow up and get into it. But now that his body is aching, he's like thankful that I didn't. Um, this poor man has like rotator cuff and arthritis and his hands are just, just terrible. Like I feel so bad for him, but he told me this story about him and his, I have to ask him, but it's either him and his sensei or his best friend who had a sensei, they would just train all day long. They would go on these long trips, um, to these like conventions, you know, like how people have, uh, basketball tournaments they would have like martial arts tournaments mm. and he would tell me that like to prepare they would go to the sand they'd go to the beach like i think kodak eastman go eastman eastman beach or whatever uh, yeah like duran eastman. eastman yeah duran eastman and that and they would kneel down and they would just take their hands and just jam them straight into the sand and i was like you can't do that at one at one point i like went into the sand like i just took a walk with the dog and i like pretended to tie my shoe and i just kind of tried doing it nothing like you just, you hit sand like it's gross but my dad used to stick his whole hand in sand and then i was like well what did you do in the winter and he's like we put buckets of sand in the garage and we would just sit there and just stick our hands through the sand and i was like that's <laughs> actually absolutely ridiculous and he's like you think that's good told me a story about how his best friend trained with bruce lee um pretty insane and and it got brought up earlier today because uh we were talking about bruce lee versus muhammad ali who would win Pretty sure everybody here said. Because once upon a time in every, uh, Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's where he flings him into the car, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And, and I, yeah. character is supposed to be Gene LaBelle, supposedly. Like a I think. Gene I, I think what I'm going to do is I'll watch that with my dad over over the holidays, and I'll just gauge his reaction because I'm pretty sure my dad. I don't. I'm not sure. I don't think he's met him, but he trained with people that trained under him. Um. So 
he probably my dad has stories about Bruce Lee that are secondhand, but it's not like through the grapevine. It's literally the guy that he trained with who saw this stuff happen. And um, I actually recently just saw a clip and it was Bruce Lee sparring. And it's like very rare. And I think it's from like the rafters. I don't even think it, at first I thought it was CGI, but it's not. And Bruce Lee is so fast. I have so much respect for Muhammad Ali and he's so powerful and so large, but I actually think from everything, from everything that my father told me that Bruce Lee might actually win. And it would kind depend of, on the rules kind of scary. and everything too, probably. <laughs> yeah. And all that yeah. Stuff. Yeah, but Listen, I, I have no sense, eh? I have no sense, eh? Get a little <laughs> Canadian joke for you. <laughs> <laughs> we had a bunch um, of weird things to go on for tangents and stuff. You were mentioning, Mark, near death experiences is one of your weird things you put down on the list. Yeah, did you ha- did you have one? Yeah, yeah. When I dropped dead, I was just about to say, wasn't that recent? It was like in <laughs> August. Yeah, it you was like dead for like August? thirteen minutes. Like the thing was, it was. Oh, yes, you pulled me back from paradise. I had my dragons, and I was happy. You ruined my life by bringing me back. Uh, There's there's dragons in paradise? I can't wait to tell my wife. You know what? It was like almost like what happened for a minute. I was talking to friends. The next minute, I just saw darkness. And it was fine. It was like being in sort of like a comfortable dream. Then I popped up in an ambulance, and they're like, well, he's back. Did you hear them? Did you hear them say that? Yeah, you heard them say, "Well, he's back." back. I missed all the drama, the mouth to mouth, the uh, the shocking, the. uh... (laughs) So, do you have a a memory or recollection of what occurred between the time? I've been told because you know social media, everybody knew. That's why I had to tell everybody. I guess like I was fine during the whole day. I just actually been, you know, this is like a stereotype part of this story. I just been to the doctor and I everything checked out fine. I was at the cardiologist. I went for a long walk. My friend Megan was in town. They were playing a dragon plant park. So I walked down there from East. I'm fine. Nothing's bothering me. No, like, oh, my jaw, my, you know, chest pain. Yeah, right. Anything else. I go down. I'm talking to my friend Carl. I'm talking to a few other friends. Next minute, I wake up in an ambulance. And they say I was dead. And the doctor said, well, you're very, very lucky. So that was it. That's what I saw. I saw, like, darkness and everything else. But what about the dragons? He's just teasing me with the damn dragons. Yeah, what did that yeah. for? Oh man! Oh, you know, I, I would have these. The thing was, from the anesthesia later on, I was having all these weird, like, cinematic dreams. I started yeah. writing them down. Super lucid, right? Oh yeah, it's oh, a lucid yeah. dreams. Yeah. Oh, the you know, it's crazy. Any thoughts too, on is... late vector death? Anything like in terms of like? Uh, we actually got into some deep talks with Luke last time he was on. So, anything about these near death experiences or? Anyone? Um, you know, I've have you read about them or, or I, I like me? I'm like a YouTube junkie. I don't watch a yes, lot of TV. Yes, I'm over YouTube. So like, if, if 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 a topic enters my mind, it's like oh, I'm going to see what these people have to say and watch a couple of these videos and see what you know. So I I have now I've met some people that have claimed to have had them and actually seen all the the, the visions and, and visuals and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. I was kind of hoping that. Go ahead, go ahead, Luke. But I was just—I was just gonna say. So I do the same thing you do. I'm huge. Whenever somebody says something like, "Oh, I wonder what happens when," whatever, I go. Whenever I'm back at home, I go open up YouTube and I look that stuff up. Um, so I've I've looked into that a lot. And a lot of these visions that people say, "Oh, you know, I saw God," or there was a light, or whatever, it's just your brain reacting to the oxygen. I'm not saying there's nothing 
to shoot for. There's nothing to to see out there. But it seems to just be that everyone has the same thing. It, it's it's kind of like the whole alien thing where you know the first fake aliens that they showed were gray with big okay. eyes, and then all of a sudden people are having nightmares, and that's what they were seeing because that's whatever. I feel like that you know the first few people in movies and in in media that were saying like there's a light and you're walking towards it and you could see a fence or whatever everybody just hears that and then i feel like that's what your brain just maybe makes you think i'm not sure go ahead rob no go on that's all i never even saw that Um, well it's it's interesting luke and and what i would recommend to i think it's is it a a neuro yeah neurosurgeon look uh go on on youtube and look for neurosurgeon who an atheist neurosurgeon who that had a near-death experience it's 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 insane because what he ends up talking about and this is a guy who knows you know, who knows the brain and yeah, its yeah, functions and yeah. stuff like that. And I don't know what actual uh, episode or condition he came down with, but it was it was dire. It was very bad. And from his understanding as a neuroscientist of what was happening, he had no explanation whatsoever for what caused what was occurring in his brain and what he could remember because there was no scientific based upon his knowledge of of the brain there was no rational scientific reason as to why he was having experience that's it's, incredible. it's sick that, I, I, I wrote it. I wrote it down. And yeah, I'm check it, it out, man. And, and do you know? Do you know where looking this up has taken me on YouTube? Down to <laughs> have you ever have you ever heard of? Um, because once you start getting into this afterlife stuff and seeing, you know, seeing your body, like the the yeah, you're like you know, you're above your body. You're having out of body experiences, yeah. whatever. YouTube takes you to a place of uh being reborn, which I'm like, which at first I was like, what the heck is this? And then they show you videos. There was a whole series of kids 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 in their previous lives where it's like a five-year-old who can barely speak is watching like a, a world war ii document with his documentary with his grandfather and he's like oh look it's petra i used to fight with petra and Bagdad or whatever and they're like what are you talking about <laughs> and the kid can identify a city on a map he can he can t- he can say oh i was this guy and i had this big scar on my jaw or whatever and they'll look through files and they'll find like a pilot and he's like yeah 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 that's my you know that's that was me in a previous life and there's no way that this kid should know where this city is what what this man's family is you know what i mean like this kid doesn't isn't old enough to look up stuff on youtube so it or, can't be yeah. any possibility that, that people were telling him what to say. no right <laughs> any possibility oh. he was being coached <laughs> These are I actually mean, unimpeachable I, YouTube videos. Yeah, I, I actually watch. I know. I actually watch. No, no, you're being. I actually watch the infographic show sometimes. Yeah. But the thing is, I watch all. I watch is the medieval tortures. They're like the uh, worst ways to die, and they got all these about these tortures. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh, like, have you ever seen the museum? There's a new video out on that. I saw that. That came up on my feed the other day. <laughs> like, medieval torture devices. Yeah, yeah. They keep, they keep find. They keep unearthing new ones too. Like the the masks with the spikes in them and the I like these weird this. weird crazy things. One of the they weird stick, ones. They the stick into you. They stick into you. Yeah, yeah. They actually have a new one about snake pits. And the weird thing about snake pits, they think, but like the myth about Ragnar, and they know Ragnar existed because of his. They know his sons existed, but they don't know tons about him. But the other one was some other guy. But they know about some other guy, and they think they might have existed. 
And they might not, but then they have a story of one guy they threw in one. He lasted for like a week. He kept a journal and wrote stories while he was in it. In the snake pit? Yeah. Now give me some background on Ragnar. I mean, I've, I've heard the name, but I... It's like I, a Viking I, I, life. You've seen the TV show Vikings, the first half okay. about him. And this oh, is when right. the Vikings right. are coming over into England. And basically he was like sort of a sort of semi-myth they know again he's like one of those people like robin Hood. they think he existed or he might have mm -hmm. been like an amalgamation of four people but they know ragnar <laughs> existed because they know his sons existed they talked yeah, about there's there's a there's there's a lot more um actual written accounts of his sons uh but ragnar uh -huh. lodebrook is is the generally uh, I'll have to check that um, out. I'm, I'm a quarter Swede, you know. I got to check yeah, that shit yeah, out. Yeah, no, me too. <laughs> oh, and actually, a lot of the, it's fun. I like these, these like sort of like drama, whatever you want to call them, historical fiction when they incorporate real people with ones made up and you try to go through like Floki, mm -hmm. I guess, was real. He was like a shipbuilder, but like for Deadwood, I would try to mm -hmm. discern oh, yeah. the real ones from the fictional ones. Yeah, that, yeah. And, and the stories like, and that that and that's a, a a good example of, you know, extrapolating bigger characters from stories. Mm -hmm. um, but you you know you look up the real mm -hmm. Seth Bullock and the real Al Swearingen. Oh and, yeah! Oh uh, yeah! You know, oh, that's one of my favorite. I, I had to rewatch that recently. I by love the that way. show. Did I you see the movie? Yeah. Did you oh, see yeah. the movie yeah. finally? Yeah. yeah. No, Christian Be Christian Bell was actually in the episode when she was very young. Yes, she was. And she, she was. Yeah. She 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 met that's it very me, very very. Yeah. That was not a good. That was not a good. Oh man. Yeah. It was. Oh yeah. Was that, like, that's what made me rewatch the series is because I got the movie and and watched that because that was years later. But uh, yeah, I love it. Wrapped the story up. In, uh, you know, it wrapped it up in a nice. And know. I love Ian McShane. I love. Oh, I yeah, love Joy. That. He was in an he episode of Game of Thrones because yeah. he had to be because he's got to be in everything. He's got to be in yeah, Doctor Who somewhere. The guy from uh, uh, Newhart kind of got on my nerves after a while, and and that other guy Steve after a while. But you know, no, have there been any right, shows like you know, have you ever been following, especially through COVID or like the last years, where you actually made the effort to watch them or not? Watch what TV? Like some kind of show where you actually. Took the time no, to watch. No, you know what? I, uh, I, uh, like I said, I, I said to you, my wife is a, an avid television viewer, so I, I, I make agreements to to watch programs with her. See, I'm using the old phraseology and stuff okay. like that. You know, watching the programs with her, but uh, you know, otherwise, uh, you know, I got DVD. I still got the DVD sets. They're actually Blu-ray Blu of a lot of. You know, own, owning stuff. Which, by the way, her Dexter is out there again. Did you? Did you? Uh, Go through the Dexter series, or what do you, what you have something to say about this? I was just about to say, please don't crucify me, but I'm excited that, that Dexter is back. Yeah, I um, I, I have one thing to say about Dexter, and it's, I really it's not, like it's, it. it's 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 not going to be good. I know the new one isn't. Gonna, <laughs> no, the, no, not what you're. Uh, this new one is probably not going to be good because the way it ended was terrible. But that that was one of my. No, I, I, I heard I heard it was okay. It was funny because one of my wife's uh, former coworkers, who's now retired, she hasn't talked to him in like two years, but he texted her because she was the only one to talk to him at work about Dexter, and <laughs> yeah. he, he's he's streaming this thing on whatever he's doing with the new season and kind of giving the feedback on there. But I have one thing to say about Dexter and, and I, 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 I enjoyed it. I liked a lot of the guest stars they had on it, but season two 
season finale episode. I watched it once. I will never watch it again. It was so disturbing to me. It bothered me so much because I love that one character and you know which character I'm talking about, right? The second season of the first series of Dexter. I, I'm trying to remember. When he was engaged to. Oh, God, yeah, 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 why, yeah, that's right. Why yes. can't I think? Yeah. Yeah, I don't want to kill off so many people on that show, but yeah, oh, yeah, no, that was, yeah. I'm trying to think of which one was that was. Like Do you the remember first... that episode though? With the I, re- John, I remember with John Lithgow and the bathtub and the yeah, this and yeah, the yeah. that. That upset me so What's much. Name? Was it Rita? It was, no, it wasn't um, Rita. Rita. Was it Rita? I, I Rita. Rita. Was, yeah, she was his such a beautiful Rita. doormat. It was Rita. She was okay. a lovely yeah. doormat. Damn. Yeah, uh, Judy Benz, the actress. Yeah, who was, I was, was Darla? Who was Darla Buffy? Buffy. Yeah, yeah. She, I was actually I just talking. And commit murder on a routine basis, and she had no. She was. She was just the sweetest, nicest. And then, yeah. uh, that was disturbing. But, but actually, the way it was written too, like the the way that reveal was at the end of that episode, it was you know. I, it, it's very rare that something disturbs me that much it's a in cinema, too. but that bothered me a lot. You know, when you can get involved in a series or TV and you realize the people are fictional, but I've used this example on not making fun of people with it. I saw Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan, when it came out, and we had to go, literally, it sold out. It was at Stone Ridge Plaza, so we had to get tickets for the next show. We went back, and Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan, so Spock buys it. People were sobbing in the aisles. Now, my friend Mike, who's been on here, he said during uh, Last Jedi at the end, he said he's going on space. Yeah. Because yeah. he had the radiation. He had the radiation. Yeah. Yeah. Going down space, the little bubble. Yeah. Yeah. And it was, it, and it was uh, 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 incredibly well done. What do you can't do yeah. that? I was, and I always will be your, your friend. friend. <laughs> yeah. No, you, you can't not get choked up. No. I mean, I was because we were watching that on reruns growing up because it was on TV, you know, at what 11 o'clock on the weekends and stuff like so. It was like, you know, I was a junkie of the original series, but 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 again, you talk about turning your nose up at stuff. I really, I really had a hard time getting to anything Star Trek that did not involve the original cast. Now, Mm -hmm. don't get me wrong, I can see that I kind of came around this generation for some stuff, and then when they started bringing some big guns in here and there, it's like, all right. I'll look at it. I'm not going to like it as much as the original, but I'll 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 tolerate it. Yeah, Star no Trek has you. the most uh, uh, very passionate, divided fan base of just about any of any property, you know. Um, but I, but again, I think, yeah, yeah, I think ultimately, Star Trek fans all like. I feel like there's more like kind of unity between Star Trek fans than there are. Like Latter Day Star Wars fans, it's got oh, real upsetting. Easily. Oh yeah, uh, because they at oh. least like, they at least all agreed that they respected the you know the story and the you know the concept. Gene Roddenberry, what you know what he created, you know, okay. so they have their favorite versions of it. But I think at the end of the day, it's like you can't not you know at the very least tip your hat to what the original series accomplished, you know. So, so, so now I got to I got to do this, and and you got to forgive me because everybody from Binghamton does that. But you got to know who our most famous um, son is, right? Binghamton, I yeah. don't know. Rod who Serling. Uh, oh, Rod that's Serling. Right. Oh, no. oh no, how did I forget that? Yes, Rod Serling. I'm hoping to have his daughter on here. Talk about him. 
genius. Oh my God. He was he was born in Syracuse, yeah. but he was raised in Binghamton. As a matter of fact, I'll, I'll go a step further. And I grew up on the same side of town as he did, obviously, general, you know, a generation later. However, uh, my grandparents owned a mom and pop store on the side of town that he grew up on. And my grandmother used to tell a story about, um, you know, in those days they'd, they'd hire a babysitter and the, you know, they'd be watching your kids, but they'd have friends over down in the rec room. Anyway, you were just responsible for that kid. But if they're in the neighborhood, so, so the, the parents of this one family would leave. And, and the kids would be down playing in the rec room because my grandmother was older, was older than Rod Serling. And um, she was the babysitter. And the parents of the house would leave and they say, okay, well, do whatever, you know, keep it on. The, and whatever you do, don't let that Serling kid start telling any of his stories. Now, whether, <laughs> now, whether my grandmother was bullshit or not, don't let him start telling stories. So she'd be upstairs, you know, whatever, letting the kids do what they want to do downstairs. And like, there'd be the ruckus. Then all of a sudden it would get quiet and she would sit at the top of the stairs and he would tell the most outlandish <laughs> stories. And then and he'd have all the kids captivated. I just can picture a little guy, like a, a young kid just sitting there going, consider if you will. You know? <laughs> <laughs> now, now the other story, the other Rod Serling story I have is this. Um, well, because a lot of my family members were like in close proximity because he graduated from Binghamton High School. So they were like on this side of him or that side of him. I, I think I, I think an aunt that might have been in his class or like a year behind him or something. But you know, it, it's a it's a small enough town where you know people get to, you know, it's like a it's like a I would call it a fishbowl, but it's more like an aquarium kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And uh, and so uh, I, I go into this bar, which my, my parents' mom and pop store was attached to the back of their house. And there was a, this bar, like a little neighborhood bar, like right across the street. Um, and I, I'm in there one afternoon at a happy hour or whatever. And I'm talking to some guys. And my, my grandfather's name was Harry Lundberg. It was called Lundberg's Grocery. And uh, they find, oh you're, oh, you're Harry Lundberg. You're Harry Lundberg's grandson. Yeah, yeah, I am. Well, there was West Junior, uh, West Junior High School was like two blocks from my grandparents' mom and pop store. And they told this story about they were going to West Junior. And, they, and you know, the mom and pop store, they got your penny candy and all that kind of stuff. By the way. I'm going on the record here. My grandfather was the first guy to put a sign on the door of his store that said only two kids allowed in the store at a time. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Because of all the shoplifting, because they'd run yeah. blind. So these kids are running from West Junior school gets out and they come and they run the corner. And so it's like a little brick mom and pop store behind with the, you know, plate glass windows and the, you know, door that goes in like you see anywhere. And, uh, they kind of round the corner, around the gate to, to go to get their petty candy. And this is like in the early 60s. And standing right there, they said, was just like Rod Serling, just like smoking a butt. <laughs> like he did, it, you know, not like that was their big story. But but here are these grown-ass men. These guys are probably in their, at the time, maybe 10 years older than I. So, you know, they're 60s now, probably in their 50s at the time. And they're just like little kids again. You know, telling yeah. the story about how the, the day that they bumped into like Rod, yeah. Rod Serling. We are hoping to have Ann Serling on here sometime, and I'll have to get you on to do some expert panel work. Do you uh, do you follow her? Did you friend her on Facebook? Or yeah, I know her a little bit. I've met her up here, and we've stayed in touch. And 
Really? Actually, after my dad passed away, I sent her a message about how her book about her dad helped me. Which really she responds because yeah, I, I, I have private messaged her a couple times. I because I sent her, I had some pictures of my uh, and I'll send you them after this of my grandmother, you know, like in front of the store. And my grandpa, my grandmother, by the way, died, uh, died at her breakfast table at the age of 101 in St. Petersburg, <laughs> East Florida. Holy she hell. and my grandfather sold that store in like ni- in, in the late 70s. And they, they bought a house in Florida. I think they paid cash for it. As a matter of fact, I think they were investigated by the FBI because <laughs> they thought it was like dirty money from up yeah. from New York. You know, because there are some mob ties up here. And, yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> more, more in Rochester. Than, so yeah. she, she was investigated. But, but basically what happened, because they were Depression-era people, she was squirreling the money away back in the beer cooler, like a floorboard, <laughs> up and like jamming cash down in there for for like years. So I think they they paid for their house in St. Pete Beach, Florida, in cash. So she dropped dead at the age of one hundred and one at her breakfast wow. table. Wow! You you know these stories remind me of um, I used to do community service at the age of like fourteen, fifteen. Oh, so it wasn't it wasn't court order? Was it? Court no, 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 definitely. That's why. That's why. He I was throw just, the age just out, out of the there. kindness of his own that's, heart. That's, yeah, that's why I throw the age out there. It was like <laughs> school, school mandated, but like it wasn't like court mandated. Yeah. Um, and I used to be a tra- I used to be a transporter, right? So I would take you from ICU or your room or to your oh, room yeah. out to your cars and stuff like that. And yeah. every Saturday for like four hours, it was nothing but like I don't want to say all elderly, but it was like forty and up. They'd be in a wheelchair, and you'd you'd start wheeling them. And they would all of a sudden just turn around and go, do you know who so-and-so is? And I'd go, no. And they would tell you the most insane stories of your life. And at the time, I wish I wrote down everyone's name because I ha- I would have dirt yeah. on mafia, <laughs> sports people. Oh, yeah. This guy would go, do you know so-and-so, this famous lawyer from Rochester? And I'd go, no. Oh, you see my knee? He did this to me. And I'm like, okay. And, you know, at the time, I didn't appreciate it. But yeah. like, these, stories, these stories remind me of the same thing. Your story about like, you know, people running around a corner and then, whoa, there's somebody famous. Um, you know, I heard stories of like, uh, the, I forgot, I forgot the mafia guys that used to run Rochester, but they'd be walking down main, I don't even know, let's say main street or something like that. And the kids would be riding their bikes and, you know, all of a sudden they'd turn a corner and there was the two mobsters sitting there smoking a cigar and they'd go move along. And, you know, everyone would be like, Oh, and and these guys that I'm like pushing along are telling me about these mobsters and these famous people. And I used to date Marilyn Monroe. And I was like, okay, grandpa, the guy guy from down here, I think think it's the guy from down here. His name was Gov Gwinnery. I don't know if that name rings a bell. But uh, and, 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 and if you watch some of these movies, and you'll see it in some of the documentaries or whatever, but you know where Appalachian is? It's, it's outside of Vestal. So you go through Binghamton and you take 17 out towards uh, uh, Elmira mm-hmm. and uh, you head out in that direction. Well, back in, I think it was the late 50s, um, all the heads of the families decided to have a meeting up there. And so, you know, here you got the small town and all these big cars are coming in without, you know, and the state police are like, gee, I wonder what's going on up there. You ever see this in any of the movies? It's called some of the mob stuff where they're all jumping out of windows and trying to get the hell out of there. That was like, that was Appalachian, which is like, you know. My, my brother yeah, bought they, a house in Appalachian over here. So. That's you know, small, like, right? They'd always like go out to kind of you know semi-remote places, yeah, and yeah, yeah. Big meetings, but they always had to go in their big cars with a million Deep. people. These big. But you also got to understand and, like, a lot of these, you know, boom towns in New, York, in New York State. 
you know, are, are, we're pretty well populated with these guys. As a matter of fact, the, you know, the, the area known around here is uh, and, and Endicott, you know, yeah. and I mean, I dated a couple of Italian girls from Endicott. I went to Catholic school. You know, I went to, you know, I went to the big, the, the big dinner with all the fishes and all that kind of stuff that they do and all that. <laughs> and speaking of fish, I was getting the fish eye from the uncle over in the corner. It was like the Malloy because, you know, I, 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 I'm not, a, you know, you know, I wasn't, it was, it was, it was eerie, you know, yeah, we I, had I, him I actually, like there was a party, the, up on the back of my party at the diplomat, my friend Rob's stag party. Oh, Turned out there was a mob party downstairs, and they're playing like the the card games for like hundred dollars a hand. A couple of them came in and they had like raffle things. He came up, one of the mobsters came up to like somebody at the party. They wanted a TV. And he goes, "I'm giving you eight hundred dollars just TV." And it's probably like a two hundred dollar TV. Are you going to say no even if you wanted? <laughs> <laughs> nope. <laughs> you know what? I could tell a few more stories like that, but uh, I, I'm going to take I'm going to take the fifth. <laughs> yeah there's I'll, I, I, no, I, I, you know what? I I'll, I'll tell you i'll tell you it's just like it's like it was one of those things it was just a different time it was a different era and things like that i mean i went to a local catholic school i i know a few things but you know what eh, i don't want to i can say the same thing here i went to a catholic school very italian area <laughs> well, yeah right but and it's like hey whatever they, you know it's what it is one of you I'll ask is coming up. I have to ask the big question. Are you for Christmas movies or not? They're coming. Well, you know what? I, I went into the bedroom the other day and my wife's watching uh, It's a Wonderful Life, which, by the way, I was in the musical version of It's a Wonderful Life. And I played, <laughs> and I played Uncle Billy. Uh, <laughs> I, yeah, I was in, I think I was in a Reader's Theater version of it and I also played Uncle Billy. <laughs> Luke is not been in one. We have not been. All right, but but as, but as far as that goes, I you know, it's, bank it's, Uncle Billy's. It's tough. A Christmas, eh, you know, it depends on the Christmas movie, I guess. I don't yeah, want okay. the, any thoughts, you. Luke. But I'm also married, I'm, and my wife watches uh, the Hallmark Channel. Honestly, <laughs> all Christmas, all Christmas Day, we just have on a Christmas story in the background. That's, but no. I mean, I I don't mind. Uh, you know, I don't know. When when they're on, or I don't I don't seek them. Well, when you know, on, Liz. Every year, I always talk to Liz about watching Love Actually. We always watch that. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I, I found one a couple of years ago. You have to see called Last Christmas, which I think is a step above a lot of these, and I think you really like it. Last Christmas. Are you a, are you a Christmas called... movie guy? Eh, the, not really, but that He's one pretty really much got just me. that one. That one, and actually, Love Actually and a Christmas Story. Yeah. Remind me who's in Love Actually, because some of these yeah. super- uh, all, of all, the, all the British every people. British person you could think about <laughs> who was big in the late nineties. Oh, okay, that's not a bad. Liz used to say it. Liz used to say I was Andrew Lincoln's. Liz always used to say I was the uh, the scene with Karen Knightley and Andrew Lincoln. She said that's me. He's probably it's right. You, it's you, Grant, in it. That's what I want to know. Though, right? Isn't he just well, a little bit? I was like, Liz, it's a little bit kind of. That's what the movie is not aged well. But she said in a way, in a good so. way, in a good way. I like the I, I like the Martin Freeman scenes where there were the porno stand-ins. <laughs> I wish there was more of that. <laughs> so that was just a great concept. I, you know, I don't know if I've ever seen the movie. I mean, I've heard of it, obviously, but I I, I don't think I've ever seen it. I couldn't name more than two. I couldn't name one person in it. <laughs> I've, I know, I know, I've seen it. It's not bad. I didn't hear that part. Was he in it? I tried googling it. And my my internet's a little wonky right now. <laughs> Every British, British, everybody British was Liam in it. Neeson. Liam Neeson, yeah. Uh, oh, Alan Rickman. 
No, no, no. Kitchen makes a cameo. Yeah. Hugh Grant. Let's you know, see. actually, Hugh Grant filmed a, a movie in Binghamton because, and I forget really? what it was. It was, it was called the Rewrite. I think is what the movie was called. You can actually get it at the Speedy and Rib Pit down on Front Street. I think. <laughs> of course you can. But it was about because it was whatever the story was. It was about a writer who happened to be going to Binghamton University, and and I don't even I don't even think they filmed I, the. You know what? I've movie. also heard this was like some campus. years ago. Rocky Horror. A friend of mine said he went to one in Binghamton, and he said it was they finally did Rocky Horror right again because up here we would go to them at RIT. RIT was used let us throw rice. We could do half the stuff, and. He said the one in Binghamton was like the old days. He loved it. This was some time ago, pre-COVID, obviously. No, that's because you're near the border. You know, you know, anytime you get near any border, it gets kind of wacky. You know what I'm talking about. <laughs> I mean, I, I, some of my theater snob friends and myself would often would often give people shit about Rocky Horror. It's like, oh, that's for like theater for folks who don't do theater. I was just like, oh. It's just so mean. It's a mean thing to say. And I always felt Ouch. bad about how much shit we would give Rocky Horror people. Because everybody everybody should not feel bad about their thing, you know? But no, you know, just, it. it's weird because I'm kind of I'm kind of a strange breed because I like especially when it comes to community theater, because because you know how it is. Mm-hmm. Like some people are just like that's what they do. And 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 for a number of years I did it. And actually it was I started to slow down after 9-11. To be honest with you, because we did, did Guys and Dolls, and I actually did it at the Helen Foley Theater. Helen Foley was Rod Serling's English teacher, and uh, I played I played Nathan Detroit in Guys and Dolls. And at the time, I was I was thinking about getting my master's in fine arts because I just was doing show after show after show. And I'm like, I think this is what I want to do. And of course, I took a non-matriculated course at Binghamton University on like the history of theater. And it was like, you know, the topics were shit like mumming in the middle ages and shit. Yeah, like, yeah. And I'm like, I'm like, this is not, I mean, this is interesting and stuff. This isn't what I want to do. Well, I have theater, theater history is, uh, that was, that was the thing that, that would break people who wanted to be theater majors. Uh, and that was they, the first class. They enjoyed they theater. They'd be like, you know, I don't want to. Yeah. I, I was like, like you know Sky Masterson too. I've always liked that character better. I, I got, I got. Oh, a- I Nathan Detroit was one of my faves of all time, man. So no, anyway. actually, for us, I think one of the things we could have done. Even you see so many different characters working at bars, we could have done like a show just on the people we met. Yeah, no, I, 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 I used well, to think. If, 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 if you'll allow me, I got a little bit of a story to tell you. Yes, absolutely. It, it, it focuses around nine eleven. So. Uh, so I, I, I just wrap up this show. And honest to God, like I have the newspaper clipping because I appeared in the Binghamton Press in the Good Time section. It was me and Adelaide, right? And uh, and we closed that show on um, on Sunday, which was okay, which was the 9th of September. Mm-hmm. And then the following Tuesday, I was in that class when the planes hit the tower. Oh, wow. And, and you got to understand, there are a lot of people from the city. Mm-hmm. Oh, then yeah. Binghamton University, and it was a very surreal experience. Now I was working at the time, but you know I got out of work to just go and take the class, and mm-hmm. I headed back to work after that. But just that that feeling on the campus of everybody scrambling around—I mean, some of these kids and all that—and so I was like, you know, it, I after that initial shock and stuff like that, it's like I don't want to take freaking mumming in the Middle Ages. What I really want to do is kind of kind of see what it would be like to work in the theater and so i went down to manhattan in uh, in october 
<laughs> this this acting studio, I forget what it was called. And I signed up for some classes and they did some like minor little meet and greet auditions with like they had somebody from film, they had somebody from from television, they had somebody from theater or whatever. And I, I in hindsight, I would have chosen different monologues to use, but that's neither here nor there. Mm-hmm. And um, so I signed up for that in October. So that's a month after 9-11. And then I went down in March for a week and I lived in this little uh, room that was in an old, it, it, it's like an old, almost like a hostel for like se- the secretarial pool. Mm-hmm. Like you have a shared bathroom and you have like a, a bed and a sink and a couple of closets. And, you know, it, it was like maybe 60 bucks and I, it was dirt cheap. And I would walk to the, the studio every day and just kind of see what that was like and th- have that experience. And I was also working at Catholic Charities here in town at the time, working like social work kind of position. And so I kind of, eh, is this what I want to do? And it was fun. It was cool. And during the course of that week, I went down, you know, I had some time off. So I actually went down to ground zero mm. and you know, got a ticket and went to actually go up on the viewing platform. And that day they pulled out like 14 bodies that day. And I, I, I looked down into that pit, you know? And so I, I'm going, I'm doing this auditioning and all that other kind of stuff. And I'm meeting these people and they're nice and they're actors and all that stuff. But then I went back and I was working for like a not for profit at the time. And I'm like, all right, you know, I don't think I want to do that for a living. Cause there was always mm-hmm. this burning question up until that point is like, am I just, you know, I would really like to make a living doing this stuff. But that was like the, the, the period in time in life where it's like, okay, I'll still do this stuff, but that's not what mm-hmm. I think. Yeah, you know. it's it's the kind of the choice you got to make at certain points, and I I I, I often ask myself because I was a theater major, and I you know, yeah, I, but I was just like I never really went for it, and now I'm I'm doing kind of at this later point in my life trying to do more my own stuff and see if I can't make a go of it. You know? Yeah, Luke, did you have anything you want to say that yeah. we do you have anything to say that we should have interrupted you with? No, 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 not at all. I no, I, I just, I, you know, I, I got that out there, and and I it, interesting, you know, Patrick, to hear we have to say, but because, uh, yeah, because I think I think it is a choice, but it's like, and I think I said it earlier to Luke, is that it's it's the, it's the difference between a vocation and an avocation, because me, yeah. I'm finding oh, it's still an avocation, yeah. but it never kind of leaves you, and once you know, once I kind of gave gave up the ghost on that, you know, it's really kind of interesting, interesting because I never completely got out of it i think that show i did where i played the voice of uh the plant in little shop of horrors mm-hmm. uh which which was which was fantastic because i didn't have to even oh, appear on stage yeah you just, just yeah you that's pretty cool no, and, 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 I, and, and i and i've worked with a lot of the different people in the companies around here in town and it's you know i but but it's like one of those things because and i think what triggered this story was patrick you know you said something about people you know dissing your your kind of thing Mm. I always had, I always, I always liked theater. I always liked music and all that kind of stuff. But, but a lot of all my friends were in sports. I played sports up until eighth grade, but I was like a middle of the pines kind of guy. Yeah. And then I like hit high school. I was like, Hey, wait a minute. You know, I could actually like carry the ball over here. <laughs> you know. And, yeah. And- once, once, once you realize you're not going to be cream of the crop and something, you could just pivot and just go towards something else that you might yeah. be better at. But, but the, 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 the beautiful thing about community theater is, and what's the old adage you've heard it a million times. There are no such thing as small parts. 
Yeah. Only small actors. And but that goes for like anybody who produces anything and has an appreciation for what other people do. Yeah. You know, we were talking yeah. about me being all thumbs with techie stuff over here, whereas I bet Luke could teach me a million things that I don't know about how to put something something together. No. You'd be wrong. I still, I still uh, forget to mute, unmute myself when I talk on meetings. And uh, honestly, yeah, I know that's, 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 that's minor, but I mean, you know, even just like crypto stuff blows my mind. Um, Just, I mean, but but, but guys your age are ahead of the game because you grew up with computers. You got to remember the fact that when I graduated college in 1990, I one of my final term papers uh, in in what was it news writing and re- my news writing and reporting class was done in DOS. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Came up, I was like, yeah. There, 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 there was a split where I used to know everything. I could, I could hook up your car stereo. I could hook up, you know, your VCRs and your whatevers. And then all of a sudden, I don't know what, what happened in technology. I think it was when uh, we went from HDMI. It, it was like the beginning of, it was the beginning of HDMI. All of a sudden it was like, I couldn't fix a computer anymore. I have no idea, you know, like even some new cars, like some, when some of those, uh, the fuses blow, I'm lost. And it's strange. Like I just, I feel very out of touch, even though, you know, my it's parents. Think, aha moment. You know why? Cause you're still generation X, aren't you? Technically. Is is it? Yeah. I, I, so. I want a ruling on this boys. Yeah. I, I don't think, know. I think it's, a, I think it's, yeah, I think the cutoff is probably really good. And Maybe. we have to do this again because we rolled a long time already and we just think this beginning no we're just, I think, we're just I think people started, like yeah. us there's some people they get their job at 18 they retire if they don't get kicked out of it like at 65 we do all kinds of different things and experience different things and everybody whatever their uh-huh. life takes them and they enjoy it and they have fun yeah you know i'm glad so, my I, life was just not normal like that I, I will i will disclose this fact okay i just left a, a job job for another job back in march and this past job i did for 15 years um, and I, I actually had been promoted before I left, but I decided I was going to try something else. You know what I did? Any guesses? No. I was a probation officer for 15 years. <laughs> uh, you know, do you know when I was, uh, when I was, when I was bartending in Rochester, a lot of COs and, and POs used to come by and, and drink and they would say, they would try to recruit me. And I don't know why they all wanted me to do that. And I, I don't uh, have a clue. I'll tell you what, well, it, it's interesting. It's interesting. Well, because because not because that just opens up another layer of, of, of possible conversation here. Because you talk of the interactions we'll, you have and we'll, how these. Oh, oh well, we'll, we'll save that. Yeah, yeah we'll we're going to have to have a part we'll, two. Obviously, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll continue this. We'll continue. But Luke, I know you'll be back. Buck, great to have you on. Great to see you, my friend. You'll come back, won't you? Oh, absolutely. Uh, well, no, like, no question. How can, it, it, what's playing now? This week, Alyssa and Adriana are in town here. Alyssa's at the B side at Nashville's. I'm going to see her and Adriana's playing at Love and Cup on Friday. Now you're playing coming up Turkey. This is coming out Monday. You said you have a show. Don't Where's you, the show? Your, your park Avenue review or whatever. Don't you have a oh, show yeah. coming up this week? Oh yeah, no, this is great. This is great. This is, um, we've been doing this for years and this goes back now. My, my, um, yeah, previous Friday, band, right? my previous band was called Dr. Cole and Marcus. And it's not anything creative, but there were three of us when we started 
And the, the one guy was a doctor. The other guy's name was Colin, and my name is Mark. And I just thought I'd make a with Marcus. That's pretty cool. But then the doctor, the doctor ended up falling by the wayside. But we kept, we kept the moniker. Um, and then when that band broke up, because we played at Nips, and I, I couldn't think of a name. Or I, I'm again not being particularly creative. Came up with the, the name, the Park Ave Review, because Nips is on Park Avenue and Binghamton. But we do this fundraiser every year, and it's, it started years ago, and it's for Chow. Uh, we raise money for the child uh, pantries, and it's, it's a Black Friday thing, alternative to shopping. Mm-hmm. A, a lady by the name of Linda Cheeseman started it years ago, and it started out, and it was just me, and it was just Dr. Cole and Marcus playing it. But then when the when the band broke up, it was like, okay, who's going to do it this year? And I think I had I think I had a show that I had to do that year, so I couldn't do it. So my brother in law reached out to. Uh, because he's friends with the guy who owns Thirsty's down here. We reached out to this other guy he's who ended up here. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, you know, I was going to, I was going yeah, to mention And Thirsty's has been there since like the 70s. And the, and the same guy owns it. And, and so basically what we do is we, it starts at two o'clock on, on Black Friday. Um, we're the opening act. But they, so they brought in another band. So there's these guys that are called the O'Neill Brothers. And they go back to, like, I think the oldest brother is like 70 now. And they go back. Do you ever hear of the Rooney Fest? And there was this thing called the Rooney Fest years ago. It's like a lot of, but anyway, these guys play. It's, it's almost a bluegrassy kind of thing, but they, you know, they, they do some, you know, country standards. And they had a, a tremendous following down here and like crazy stories, all that. So the, the, the O'Neill brothers are the second act playing. And then there's a band called Straight Up and they've got a horn and they've got a, uh, these fellas that, you know, they got an outstanding keyboard player, lead guitarist and all that. And so we each take an hour slot. We do 50, 50 raffles and uh, it's, it's tradition. And I think that, I think our best year so far, I think we, we might've hit the $2,500 mark one year. Um, and it just goes to the local food pantry. Very cool. Thanks cool. for having that. Is anything cool. that anybody want to end on anything? Nope. See you next time. You said you want a song? Yeah, we'll end with the song. Here is uh, <laughs> Mark playing a song. What is this? Just say a little bit about it, play it, and we'll end. Oh, I'm, we're going to talk this one through because I never play my original songs. And it, But when I was in playing with Dr. Cole and Marcus, we, we did some CDs. And, and, and I got to say, Colin did the bulk. He did the lion's share of the work. I mean, even sometimes I wasn't even laying any of the tracks down because he was laying so many tracks down it's like yeah you don't need another acoustic guitar in there it's it's good enough so i just lay down the vocals but there was a and then for for my tunes i'd lay down like a a, a rhythm track and and the vocal and then I'd, I'd put the uh give the digital recorder back to him and he'd fill out the rest of the parts and i felt really bad because of all the CD, and we you know all our friends and people that came follow us would get the cds and there was only one song they ever requested, and it was this song. And, and, and it's because of the fact that it's about them. <clears throat> because the, 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 the name of the song is actually Nips. <clears throat> Nips Park Ave Saloon is what it's called. <clears throat> and uh, not like 20 somewhat. minutes, is it? <laughs> <laughs> not 20 minutes. Why? How are we okay. doing timeline? No, we don't have a timeline, but it's not like 20 minutes. <laughs> no. no, but it tells a story that I think some uh, moonlighting musicians can relate to. Oh. You know, it's good to see you again. How's the wife, the kids? How's man's best friend? 
No, it's always good to see my friend. Here we go again. Take your coat off and grab yourself a beer. It's time for me to do my thing. I'm glad you're here. You know it's always crazy at this time of year. So glad you're here. At Nips Park Absolute. Where we sing our tunes. I know somebody over there's been drinking since noon at Nips Park Absolute. The bar is getting busy and the girls are working hard. And Colin just popped a G-string on his guitar. Neither one of us thought we'd take it this far here in this bar. Someone's getting crazy just this side of out of hand. Three deep at the bar, people have to stand. Ah, shit, they want to hear Southern Cross again. Here we go again. At Nips Park Absolute, where we sing our tunes. Two young lovers in the corner, see how they smooth at Nips Park Absolute. Here we go now. Colin's got his G-string on, quick draws on the two. Now nice. I think somebody over there just flashed their boobs. I know some people might think that's rude. I don't think we do. <laughs> Early, late, and it's time to go. We hope that everybody enjoyed the show. That's all that we got, and there ain't no more. Sorry, gotta go. If it wasn't for you, we wouldn't do what we do. It's kind of like how my foot fits inside my shoe. You know it's a lot of fun to sing for you. Thank you, thank you. Thank you, Park Absolute. Come back real soon. And while you're at it, help me sing the distance. Come on, your turn now. Lips are absolute. Lips are <laughs> Come back real soon. While you're at it, help me sing this distance. Absolute. Park Absolute. Bravo. Yay. Yay, and we're nice. out of here.